What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Create Smarter. I am Phil DiMartino from Five Tool Productions. On today's show, we're going to talk to Lindsay Roth from The Happy Confection. She's one of many people taking advantage of the new legal industry in Massachusetts, the cannabis industry. Lindsay's going to join the show to tell us all about how she's building her business, some of the hurdles she's facing in this really new space, um, and what it's like to be trying to grow a brand new business in a basically a brand new industry. Um, there's a lot of things that are really applicable across the board for, for businesses, and there's a lot to talk about here in terms of the extra kind of stress and anxiety of launching a business in a field in an industry that I guess is still viewed by some people as taboo and, and what that means and how you can kind of garner support and funding and all those other things you need to do for a business while navigating those kind of interesting elements that not every business owner has to has to navigate. It's a really interesting conversation about a space I think a lot of people are interested in, and I think you're really going to enjoy it. So here we go. Let's get into it. Lindsay, welcome to the show. Thanks so much. This is fun. You're a double threat. You're a dual <laughs> threat because we talk higher ed sometimes yeah. with you, and now we're going to talk about your side business yes. today, which is super exciting. <laughs> yeah. So tell me, tell me about your side business. Tell yeah. me all about your growing side business. <laughs> yeah, hopefully it's a budding business. A budding ah, business. I love the puns. Um, so my <laughs> husband Stephen and I have created a company called the Happy Confection, uh, and we specialize in um, edibles uh, infused with cannabis. And so we're currently going through the process of applying for a permit with the state of Massachusetts since it is now recreationally legal here uh, and learning every single day something new and exciting about this really new emerging industry. So you kind of broke the seal with this. Like I wasn't going to be the first one to do it, but like how tropey are we going to get with like the weed references as we go through this like well, hey i mean the initials of our company are intentional thc you oh know God, I yes um i didn't even realize yes. so that's fantastic so what um what kind of products do you make you said edibles but like what yep. kind of products are you looking yep. to launch to start so out? i mean really my experience with cannabis started when i um was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder and was having issues sleeping. Um, and so I was a patient through the medical marijuana system and still am today. And when I met my husband, I really didn't like the idea of smoking because I was a past cigarette smoker and um, was afraid that that activity would maybe tempt me to go back to cigarettes. And so after expressing that to him, he is a uh, professionally trained pastry chef. And so he was like, why don't I put it into some taffy for you? And then you could just take a piece of candy at night. And that was kind of how this recipe was born. Um, an idea came to be that we should start to explore opening our own business in this industry. Um, Massachusetts is still in early days, but it's been really exciting. And like I said, we learn something new every day. Yeah, so it's been now over two years, mm -hmm. two and a half years since it was voted into law, mm -hmm. right? Was it twenty six yep. the twenty sixteen elections? Yep. So what's changed since twenty sixteen in terms of the industry and in mass and like yep. what's happened since then? So really, you know, I don't want to say nothing has changed. <laughs> like, it's just it's moving. I, I like to say you have to be patiently persistent in this industry. You have to live in two places. You have to understand that 
things are still being developed and put into law and practice while also advocating and constantly being the squeaky wheel. And so it can sometimes feel like you've made no progress, but at the same time have learned so much, you know, and that's kind of where Stephen and I are right now with the happy confection. Um, We're still um, in the very early days of applying and, you know, establishing um, an investment package. But as far as the industry goes, we've opened um, a few retail shops in Massachusetts, which is very exciting. They are so popular that they have to physically bus people in because of the initial crowds and, and interest that it's gotten, which is a great um, indicator for people like us who are looking to break into the business. But I also think that surprisingly, this business is so collaborative. Um, it is not competitive. There is space for everyone. Um, and Massachusetts has been making some strides, especially with underserved populations and, um, you know, populations that were wrongfully targeted with the war on drugs to try to prioritize them. Um, there's been controversy around it because um, it hasn't been perfect by any means. But uh, just recently, there was legislation um, proposed uh, to actually put a preference on local residents over outside companies coming in. And so, like I said, this is a really rapidly changing industry, um, but they've you know already started to open retail shops, which is exciting. So do you feel like it's like an effort to get it right? Like, do you, mm-hmm. does the slow playing of it bother you or do you feel like it's it's all, it's well-intentioned? Obviously, it's well-intentioned, like they want to get it right. But from like your standpoint as a business owner, how does it sit with you? Do you feel like they're making the correct strides? You just mentioned a couple of good programs. Mm -hmm. But how does how does that sit with you guys trying to get just get started? I think that, you know, like so many things, um, the people who actually are in power and control don't always aren't always the ones that are directly connected to the industry itself. the Cannabis Control Commission exists so that it's basically the governing body for um, any of the policies that are put in um, to place by the legislature so that they push that out to the population re-cannabis anything. And so there was a lot of um, public hearings where people could go and voice their opinions, which I appreciated as a person not just living in Massachusetts but wanting to enter into the industry. Um They also learned from other states like Colorado, who were pioneers, and what they did wrong um, as a way to try and think of people like my husband and I who are breaking in as small business owners and trying to give people a chance to really move up and um, create some social and economic mobility as a result of um, being business owners in this space. Um, They also you know, had a brief uh, time time frame where people who were um, minority LGBTQ or women-owned um, applicants would get a preferential um, place held for them for a full year, but the window was really small. It wasn't well advertised, and so there's been a lot of activism in um, the Massachusetts space to get that window reopened so that people can apply again. I myself missed the window because I didn't know about it and I was pretty on top of it. And so um, I think that it wasn't marketed as well as it could have been. Um, Also, we're facing a little bit of an intrusion from outside companies coming in that are really well established, really well funded and can instantly just, you know, build these massive behemoth companies um, that don't necessarily keep the local 
um, business owner in mind. And so there's been some conversations about introducing legislation to help combat that as well. Right. And when you think about, you know, the way it seems like they've tried to roll it out being being slow and thoughtful and trying to have appointments at certain shops and things mm-hmm. like that, you know, to try to limit the to make this a good experience, I, I guess, for the for the state and the residents and things like that. And that wasn't necessarily the case with the first couple of shops just because the demand was so high. Mm-hmm. Like it was chaos, I guess, yeah. in Leicester. And yep. um, was it Northampton was the other yep. one? Yep, Northampton. It was like yep. chaos, right? Chaos. Um, but <laughs> Yeah, the know. residents were really freaking out about it. Right. But at the same time, you know, they're getting 3% of the gross profits of – um, as a tax for that town. And so think of how much that's going to be able to do for them as a municipality as well. So that's what I was going to ask. So uh, it's interesting to me, like where they've started on a town by town basis. Mm-hmm. So what is the benefit to an individual? There's a, a 3% benefit for an yep. individual town. So um, it's a little complicated right now because they're basically um, there's a 3% tax that a municipi- municipality is entitled to if the Um, business coming in is going to have an impact on, for example, traffic, um, any kind of um, interactions with the public, um, maybe, you know, putting people on the roads who are impaired, et cetera, et cetera. And so to cover that um, risk and to incentivize, you know, there's the 3% tax on gross receipts uh, made each year. That automatically goes to the municipalities. Um, however, it really shouldn't apply to people like my husband and myself who are applying for a manufacturing permit. And so right. Our customers are not first and foremost the public. Our customers are the dispensaries themselves. We want to wholesale to them, and so the secondary target obviously is um, the general public. But you know, we're really working behind the scenes. We're invisible to the public. You can't tell where we're operating. That's intentional. We have a lot of diversion plans in place um, to make sure that it's very discreet and doesn't impact any of the public safety and or traffic patterns. Um, But yet people like us are being forced to pay the 3% just so that municipalities are willing to work with you. And if I'm being honest, I mean, it's a it's not something that is exciting. You know, right. it's not something I want to be doing, yeah. but I'll do it because it helps um, progress our our business forward. And um, I think it will be corrected down the line as things sort of shape shake out and this becomes more normalized. So that is that like the biggest hurdle that you face or like is it I know you've talked about with me about space and things like Finding that before. Finding a space has yeah. been a real challenge. Um, so why, how come, what, what's been, what's the issue with so trying to find a space? there's a few issues. Um, because it's still um, a class one substance and is federally illegal, um, we cannot apply for a business loan. Um, we cannot, it's hard to find a bank um, that will work with you. Century Bank in Massachusetts really has emerged as the marijuana uh, banking option um, for the industry at the medical level, but they um, are still making decisions when it comes to recreational clients. And even then, they need to address their own infrastructure to be able to start to take on new clients like myself because they already have medical clients that are going to be going recreational more than likely. Right. Um, 
Finding a space is a challenge because your landlord should own the building outright if there are any kind of loans in place. Um, again, because it's a federally illegal substance, that can cause a lot of problems. Um, but also you pose a lot of risks because you don't own the building. And so if you don't sign a longer term lease um, or have a good working relationship with the person, then they can really take advantage of you and hold you hostage in a way um, by jacking up rents, kicking you out, um, you know, and, and really turn your business upside down. Um, we recently found a really great spot um, and thought that it was going to work out well. Uh, and then the landlord decided that even though they had a client in the space already and they hadn't vacated and wouldn't be for months, that we would have to start paying two grand a month just to hold the right to <laughs> rent it. And again, it's just awesome. Them seeing, yeah, them seeing an opportunity. <laughs> and then to me, that's not even, you know, um, something that I would entertain immediately because it wasn't a part of the initial discussion. It makes me not trust you. But then also it makes me wonder once I'm in the space what you're going to try to right. do. You're already trying once to bait and switch me up. before exactly. we're in there. Yeah. Exactly. And so um, we've actually met some really great people in the industry already. And so we're actually looking to see if we can maybe sublet a small space from um, a larger manufacturing um operator like us also then, working yeah, in the exactly, cannabis space exactly yeah. and so then we don't have to necessarily sublet from a or lease from um from an uh, com uh commercial property but instead from somebody who's in the business with us um but what we've really been doing is getting our first round of um investment options um up and running so that we can start to shop those around to people who are interested and then get our first round of funding out of the way so that we're more liquid and when and the right opportunity comes up, we can really act on it. But our goal is to apply for permitting um, by the end of this calendar year and go from there. Um, we're going to start with taffy because it's a great New England treat. You know? <laughs> That's true. It's, it's, yeah. You know, um, and uh, we have a pretty good recipe and we have um, a variety of skews um, in terms of flavors and, and strains. I think we'll have about five to seven in just general taffy. Then we're going to hopefully be able to do a sugar-free version. Um, and then for our vegan friends, we're going to have a gummy that we can um, put on uh, the shelves as well. So from the standpoint of, like you said, you want to be a wholesale distributor, mm -hmm. can you start conversations with the shops that are open or oh. does that have to wait? Like, what does that process so, look like? So, I mean, like? we have like casual conversations with them and basically the answer is yes, as soon as you're open, let us know because right. they're desperate for product. Like right. th th there is a bit of a shortage in the in the winter months um, up here just because um, it's not ideal for cultivation. Um, also, um, I know recently one of the dispensaries had an issue with the pesticides just being um, too high and so they had to you know uh, basically throw out a whole crop um, that can lead to more shortage that ripples throughout the industry but but the colder months tend to be less um, less productive anyway um, from a from a cultivation standpoint and so there's just shortages the other day actually I went to the dispensary because um, I'm low on my taffy for myself and so um, I uh, noticed that there was a line like down the parking lot because the the supply was actually much better than it had been in months oh and really so you know i think that again like it, it's encouraging though to see that the demand is there and people are using it um and and are taking advantage of the medical program but especially the, the recreational program too because um it's i think 
long overdue. And I'm yeah. excited that Massachusetts is kind of on the forefront of this. Yeah, I was going to ask you that. So in terms of like the demand and the perception, where do you feel mm-hmm. like do you so obviously the demand was there before yeah. before this change and like yep. people came out and voted in favor of it. Yep. So like the demand is there. What do you how do you think like the demand and perception has changed since it's become legal? Do you think it's shifted and grown um, or, or like is it just that now people are out in the open getting it instead of. You know, having yeah. to sneak around. I think it's a mix of, of both. I think people are now like who maybe hadn't um, previously worried about the medicinal, partaked, exactly, right. or, like or in, per, or you're exactly saying even in the recreational space, right. like they're actually interested. Like uh, I know um, I've known people who have never really tried it who actually went to dispensaries and just were like for the novelty of it, right. like bought a bought a piece of uh, an edible or or got some flour. Um, because it's now legal and they're just a little bit more encouraged by the fact that it's regulated and safer. Right, um, right. Uh, but I think overwhelmingly the case is, is now there's just um, a bit more awareness in the public. People aren't afraid to talk about their usage and the benefits that cannabis has had in their life. Um, and you mentioned that for you. Yeah. So, like, why is that – to you personally, like, why is that an important part of this whole conversation? Yeah. Like, people being willing to bring that out. Yeah. Um, well, I think that, you know, we're a society that promotes like binge drinking ridiculously <laughs> and that doesn't really help people. But I've personally been able to regain a lot of um, my my day to day just from consistent cannabis use. It helps me sleep well at night. Um, it, it definitely helps me manage, maintain uh, my anxiety in addition to the Western medicine that I already take advantage of and therapy. Um, it's just a nice part of my wellness suite. And I think that, um, you know, there's, it's not just, um, you don't have to imbibe by smoking. I, I, partake in edibles. I also use tinctures. I use lotions. Um, There's a variety of products out there on the market and a myriad of ways that this plant can be used to truly help people. And in a perfect ecosystem (laughs) of a cannabis program, what you have is, and what you're starting to see in Colorado, is a medical program that is really supplemented by a recreational program so that people who need access to this plant that probably can't afford it start to get access to it because it's undercutting the costs that they have to pay for it based on need. So the recreational, mm-hmm. the, the fact that there's like a full-scale recreational program also additionally does mm-hmm. help access for the medicinal program oh, yeah, as well. Absolutely. And there's differences because the recreational program is going to be regulated in the amount of TAC that can be um, included per serving. Um, whereas the medical program, there are there are not limits. There are limits on how much you can buy in a certain period of time. Um, but overall, as far as servings go, it, there, there aren't limits on that. Um, as recreational um, facilities start to crop up within medicinal facilities, medical patients will continue to be prioritized, which is the way it should be. So me, I'm not going to have to go and wait in the line. I'll instead right. be able to go and get out and get the products that I've normally needed access to because it, it is kept separate. Um as it should be. Right. Um, you know, I think that I had a little bit more of like a knowledge on how it was operating in mass because I was a medical patient prior to this. Um, but overall, I think that the steps that they're taking have been slow and steady and, and intentionally that way because they um, are still trying to figure out what the cannabis industry is really going to look like 
five or 10 years from now in Massachusetts, and they want to make sure it's successful. So you mentioned like the awareness of it a little bit in terms of once it, once it was legalized. Do you think that there's still a, a big segment of people who look at this as like a taboo thing? Oh, yeah. And like Absolutely. what what kind of so I mean, there's people that don't drink and you know, there's people that that are. But that feels know, different. Like, right. Like people yeah. who don't drink. It's like, well, it's I don't drink because I don't want to. I feel mm-hmm. like there's probably still a fair segment of people who are like, don't drink because like, excuse me, don't yep. want to partake in in THC because mm-hmm. they believe it's dangerous or bad. Oh, a gateway drug. Too, right. Which even though they're the D.A.R.E. program was wrong. Oh, no. <laughs> Do you remember that? Do I remember the D.A.R.E. program? Yeah. yeah of course of I remember course. the D.A.R.E. program. Well, the D.A.R.E. program was wrong. Did, like, did, weed has been removed as a gateway drug. Um, Didn't that just happen? By, um, yeah, it was like, like the World like, Health Organization yeah, exactly. changed the classification yep. of yep. it? So, But there are still people that firmly believe that. So and what does it, how does that impact you as you like try to grow your business? Like what kind of challenge does that present or do you not really worry about it? I don't worry about it because then they're just not my target market. Right. You know, like, and, and in the same way that like, I'm not a target market for like Lululemon or something, you know, like they're not trying to market to me. That's cool. Me you know what? Exactly. Me neither. So like, I mean, I just feel like, you well, maybe know, they are. You, exactly. Know. Well, you know who the, your niche is and you lean into that. And so I'm looking for people who maybe don't want to smoke first. Right. They don't want, um, they want to be able to imbibe um, with a product that they know is safe and discreet, but also that tastes really good. Um, something that I found in my short experience with the medical market is that, you know, the the product line that's available isn't always something that tastes amazing. Um, Cannabis, especially in a concentrated form, is hard to work with because it has a really bitter aftertaste. um, And that's hard to work with from a culinary standpoint. But my husband, being a trained pastry chef, has had a lot of opportunity to experiment with different flavor combinations that actually use that to its benefit so that the product that you're getting isn't just giving you the TAC in um, the dose that you see on the package and giving you the the benefits of it, but it also just tastes really good. So it's something that you can enjoy as you're ingesting it as well. And that's kind of what we're looking to bring to the cannabis market is a higher culinary experience for the customer. So because we don't just want to stop at Taffy, this is kind of our first product venture, but we would eventually like to move into banana breads and other areas as well, um, just because uh, there is such a need for it in the market. Yeah, that's an interesting thing you don't think about when it's, especially when it's like technically an illegal drug and mm-hmm. the only way that people can get it is like from some like yes. random person in the neighborhood <laughs> or if they don't have, yes. you know, before medicinal mm-hmm. was legal, you think back to like high school and how people are getting yeah. it and stuff well, like and that. And then it was like cut with things. It wasn't grown properly. Right. I mean, these, there's no focus no, on quality. Exactly. Point, the quality right? isn't. It's just. So, but it's, it's great that it's so interesting. I hadn't even thought of it as like. Now you're at a point and the industry is at a point where you can actually like, think about like not just a delivery mechanism or how to get this stuff, mm-hmm. but also like how do we make this like a really good product yeah. that people actually enjoy? Absolutely. Right? And it, it really leads to more innovation, which is and that's one thing that I, I think that the Cannabis Control Commission has done a good job with. The people that are applying, you're not seeing them just say outright no. They're saying, OK, go back to the drawing board figure this piece of your puzzle out and then come back to us because they understand that the more people that are in the mix, the more companies that are in the mix, the more innovation. 
foundation, the more the the better it is, not just for the state of Massachusetts, but for the industry as a whole. And they really want Massachusetts to emerge as a top leader. I mean, given our location on the eastern seaboard and having an uh, um, you know, uh, uh, airport hub here and being so close to Europe as well, just across the pond. I mean, Massachusetts is really poised to be repositioned, not just for our state, but for the region as a hub for cannabis tourism through, right. you know, in the near future. And so this isn't something that if you're, if you're um, not necessarily imbibing or participating in this industry, it doesn't mean that you won't reap the benefits as a resident in Massachusetts because it's going to do wonders for our economy and for the job market. Right. And in theory, even beyond the tax, the tax standpoint of things, which should help. I'm not sure if it's, is there a specific mm-hmm. direction? Is it like public schools or? I don't actually know about that. I should probably, but, um, but even, I do know that, yeah. Even beyond it, even that, beyond it's the other it, things exactly. you're talking about is benefits. Mm-hmm. Like if you're a different type of business owner, yeah. if you own a restaurant or if mm-hmm. you own a little shop, you know. Well, exactly. And it's like there's a second level benefit to it for that mm-hmm. too. And you're going to start to see the emergence of social clubs next where people can just go to imbibe. I was going to ask you about that. Like bars. What's the status of that? I felt like Um, I heard them talk about that mm -hmm. recently as as a possibility. And is that something that's close? It's um, it's getting it's getting there, but it's it hasn't been um, voted on yet. That's will that have to go to like a referendum? I don't think it'll have to go out there. it just needs to really um, be regulated by the Cannabis Control Commission. Got it. um, With more steps um, of what it would take to um, create that kind of a space. But then also then that's another permitting process. It's another application. Right. Um, my, you know, Stephen and I would love to one day own like a combination like coffee house, right. like a yoga studio and be right. able to host events and things like that. Um, that's way like pie in the sky, big picture down the road. But for now, we're just focusing on a product that we know is really good um, and we have a lot of confidence in because we haven't seen anything like it in the industry, but also, you know, that can really um, bring a higher quality to the market than what we've seen so far. Have you seen people like that surprise you coming out of the woodwork since 2016, since it became legal, that you didn't expect to like know since they know mm-hmm. that you're like building this company and you're involved mm-hmm. in this product? Have you seen people like randomly come out of the woodwork and be like, hey, you know, like, let me get some oh, of that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. And like, we cannot give you anything right, just because, right. but they're you know, interested we're not licensed in the business, yet, but right. they're so interested yeah. in it. And so like random cousins at Christmas, like, you know, that I never would have guessed uh, imbibed, but are suddenly comfortable talking to me about right. it. And I think that that's like the awareness that's being raised um, just throughout society now with more legality of this, then people aren't as scared to talk about it. And I don't think that that means that they're suddenly um, starting to, you know, um, use marijuana. I think that they've been using it for their life and now they're just talking about it. You know, I just, it's its just, they're, they're going more public with it because right. it feels safer and it feels okay. And we talked about this before. You said like one of the things people always ask is like, what does your family think? And that kind of thing. <laughs> like, was that a challenge for you at any point to think about like, is that are people going to think of me in a weird connotation if I open this business? Did that ever come across your mind, or do you not really worry about it because you're good with it and that's that's yeah? I feel matters. like like Stephen and I, he always had really a dream of doing this, and he's definitely the brains behind the operation. I'm more the business side of things. Um, I'm I'm we are a female owned business. I'm the owner, um, and then Stephen is um, 
chef owner. And so he really is product development. It is his recipe. Um, everything is made um, by hand right now and, and hand pulled. And that's kind of how we're hoping to operate in the beginning stages of our business um, to keep that like high quality control that we want. Um, I think that he when he was sharing this initially with his parents that there was some prickliness to that conversation sure. and they weren't they just weren't a, like familiar with it but as they've learned more especially you know through simple things like they'll mail us little pieces that they see in like the metro mm-hmm. right <laughs> stuff. that's but nice, like though. we'll get it but it's their way of showing support right. um on my side my parents think it's a great idea but they've also um they they've partaked their whole lives, you know, um, and and haven't been really shy about sharing that, and so it wasn't too much of a um, stressful conversation to to tell them about it. Yeah, because it's like even I think that there's an element like when you're trying to start a business of people around you being worried no matter what. Yeah. Like I think about us um, mm-hmm. starting starting this business and like family and friends kind of look mm-hmm. at you like. Oh, I mean, like, I are know. you worried? Like, lots of businesses yeah. fail. It's like, bro, you don't need to remind me exactly. that. Like, I'm well Seriously. aware. Like, I know. <laughs> well aware. Whoa. So there's like, um, <laughs> there's like a baseline level of anxiety, mm-hmm. no matter what, um, and stress, no matter what. But I feel like, I feel like it would have. I've never, I've never been involved in the industry, so like, it mm-hmm. wasn't ever even a thought for me. But I feel like it would have potentially stopped me from from pursuing it just because like not yeah. wanting to deal with any of that yeah. nonsense yeah. right of like people thinking about yep. you differently or whatever so yeah. it, that just yeah. has to add another element yeah. even subconsciously i would think yeah. i've i've basically just um you know, I don't offer the information immediately. I right. try to feel a person out. And if I feel like there's going to be a ton of judgment or there could be potential backlash on me, um, especially in a professional setting, because as you mentioned, I currently work in higher ed. I'm at UMass Dartmouth. It's a public institution. It's not like, you know, um, a place that <laughs> I, I, I go out and go into every meeting and talk about it. Right. But it has come up with conversations with my colleagues. And overall, it's been overwhelmingly supportive. My boss is aware of it. She asked me about it all the time. She thinks it's a great idea. She actually lives in Northampton. And um, and so she's witnessed the impact it's had on her community and is really excited by it. And so, you know, again, I think you just have to kind of feel those conversations out for yourself. But ultimately, I don't come from a place of apologizing. I don't come up from a place of embarrassment or trying to approach it as a taboo subject right. because it's not. It's right. legal. Um, what we are doing is really um, – trying something new and taking a leap and you know you can get on board <laughs> yeah or 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 you can ignore us <laughs> yeah but regardless you know it's it's kind of we're just doing doing what we want to do outside of like the specific product is it exciting to you to just be involved in like a brand new industry like you think about this and it really is yeah. a completely brand it new really industry is. so like imagine yeah. being like mm-hmm. okay you know the telephone just got invented I know. now you're you know what i mean i know it's 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 a little no, bit different because the product's been yeah. around but from an industry business standpoint i mean this is this is so the beginning. it's exciting it's terrifying it's concerning uh exciting because um like you said you're at the forefront of something new you really feel like you're shaping and um and having a hand in an industry as it's being formed and and learning things from from the ground up i learn something new every single day i meet so many wonderful people from different walks of life and experiences i'm seeing the way from my own experience in the medical side of how it's really um, like 
just boosting our economy and bringing jobs into the community that are really needed and long overdue. It's terrifying because I have no idea what tomorrow will bring sometimes. It's frustrating because of things like trying to find a space and figure out the different steps in the process while you're also trying to put food on the table with your full-time day job. And so this is more of a side hustle for me right now. Um, But I would love it to be a full-time hustle eventually, um, especially for my husband in the more immediate sense. And so like there feels like that urgency of like, come on, we just got to get that permit in and start doing things. And so I think, you know, at times we can be pretty hard on ourselves based on where we feel we should be and where we actually are, which I'm sure you guys can relate to, right? I think I had this conversation exactly Mm -hmm. like, and you have to rationalize it with yourself too and remind yourself like these things don't happen overnight. And it's especially more so, it's true for every business owner, Mm -hmm. I think, but it's especially true when you're in a brand new industry and you can't even get a freaking permit yet. You know what I mean? Or you can't find a space. Like the basic things that um, the basic things that are like essential, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like you say, yeah, so I'm sure you just have to cut yourself yeah. slack. Yeah. And then it's a little bit concerning just because I do see big business coming in from out of state. Um, I see how they, the Cannabis Control Commission is saying that they want to prioritize underserved communities, um, those unfairly um, targeted by the war on drugs. Um, people of color, women, LGBTQ communities as, um, you know, priorities in this in this landscape. But I, I just don't feel it completely. And so I worry of about course, yeah. when this really starts to take off um, that the people making the most profit uh, are the ones that um, weren't being targeted in the first place. And so you're seeing, you know, I think um, – under 5% of the businesses in the cannabis industry are currently owned by women. Um, majority are owned by white males. Um, you know, these are all issues that I was hopeful at the beginning that Massachusetts really wanted to address. And I do believe that there are great programs out there, but I still think that a lot of activism is needed to continue to bring awareness to that um priority for our state and so i hope that it continues to progress and that we see more legislation put in place so that not just area residents but area residents from those communities are really prioritized in this because that's where i think we'll really be able to say that the state got it right because i haven't seen that happen yet in our country in the states that have legalized i was going to say and that's the type of thing that in theory should like set Massachusetts apart, right? Like yep. they're generally a leader in those types mm-hmm. of things. And like, it's really nice to live in Massachusetts because yes. you don't have to worry about things that you yes. sometimes have to worry about in other mm-hmm. states. Um, and it would be nice to be a leader in that standpoint mm-hmm. too. And from the, just simply from the local standpoint, not from the communities you mentioned, but from the local business owner versus the the yeah. mega companies, yeah. they're going to be better stewards Absolutely. of the communities in which they're doing business. Well, and Mass also, like, during the um, hearing process and as they were building, like, the CMR and everything, um, they they owned up to the mistakes that they made when they instituted medical in the state. You know, it was about a $30,000 application fee for a permit. I mean, who in their right mind is going to be able to do that but – uh, you know, you had to have about a million dollars in the bank and funding. Um, just, so it's not technically so a restriction, no, but it's just no, a type of thing it's where just, it's like. There's no way that right. you're going to be able to have any kind of um, diversity in the field. Um, and that's something that they've really addressed by having tiered applications. Um, you can have different types of um, of 
you know, uh, applications that you're applying for all the way from a fully, you know, operational retail shop to a cultivation permit. If you just want to grow and sell, um, you can sell to a dispensary or wherever. Um, Or if you are like us and you want to just manufacture behind the scenes and then send it off and let somebody else put it out to the public. So you mentioned briefly, but what's what's next? What's next for you guys? Ideally. Yeah. Ideally, next for us is applying for a permit. But really, right now, we're... um, getting uh, our investment package together, uh, and we'll be making that that uh, first round of funding available to people who are interested. Um, we're really being selective with the people that we're going to be working with on that because obviously this is a huge dream for us, but we want it to be a community that's behind us, that's supporting us, and also can really share in the innovation um, that we want for this company. Um, and then the next step really along the way is we're going to be blogging and documenting our experience so that hopefully we can put some education out there for people who are just curious and looking to learn more about the cannabis industry and how it's been in mass but also because you know there isn't a ton of information out there i think that the press has been doing a really good job especially the globe establishing a cannabis beat for the um for the paper and and their digital presence as well um but ultimately, it's really hard because you can't advertise for cannabis. Um, so the press really is a huge partner in that regard. Um, but it can also at times skew um, to the same people being featured time after time after time. So um, so we're going to put our little space out there and get a blog on our website and just start to document what happens as it comes. And make the side hustle the full hustle. Exactly. That's a dream for all That's of us. That's dream. <laughs> yep. Um, <laughs> last, last question. Any, um, any advice, I guess, either specifically for people looking to get into this industry mm-hmm. or people in the same boat side hustle-wise, like any advice for folks who are um, trying to get started with this kind of yeah, stuff? Yeah. I think the advice for this industry is read the CMR and know it inside and out. That is your Bible. That is your gospel. And so you better know it. And because if you step a toe out of line, it's probably going to cost you a lot of money. Um, The second piece of advice is get a good lawyer. Yeah. (laughs) Um, Just because, especially if you're not versed in in that area, like you're going to want somebody who has your best interests in mind and can act on your behalf, especially when it comes time to applying um, for for a permit. Um, But then in general, just if you're looking to take a leap, do it. And, you know, just figure it out one day at a time and try to break um, break down a problem into two immediate actions because it's very easy, especially when you're starting out at the beginning, as I'm sure you can remember, to get overwhelmed by Remember, please, right now. I know. I feel like it's always going to be that way. Exactly. Like, it's easy to get overwhelmed with all the things that should be done and could be done. And I think you just got to keep breaking them down into achievable uh, goals and celebrate them as you reach them to keep things exciting. Don't be so damn hard on yourself. Exactly. <laughs> That's just good advice generally yeah. anyway. Be better to yourself, man. Um, Lindsay, thank you so much. This yeah. was super fun. Best awesome. of luck. Thank you. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. This has been another episode of Create Smarter. <laughs>